Welcome to the SBI Podcast, offering CEOs, sales and marketing leaders ideas to make the number. Hello, everybody. This is Greg Alexander, CEO of SBI, sales and marketing consulting company dedicated to helping you make your number. Welcome to the SBI Weekly Podcast. Today, I'm joined, joined by Brandon Talaney, who is the Senior Vice President and Chief Sales and Marketing Officer at Freescale Semiconductor. You might not know this, but you use Freescale's products every day, for their embedded technology powers your car, appliances, medical devices, networks, and some of your smart mobile devices. The company does just under $5 billion in annual sales and employs a little over 17,000 people. Brandon has an impressive 18 years of business experience at some of the world's most prestigious companies, such as Mitsubishi, Source Photonics, and now almost a decade at Freescale. Brandon is a graduate of the University of Texas, Hook'em Horns. Welcome to the show, Brandon. Thanks, Greg. I appreciate you having me on today. Great. All right. Today's topic is channel optimization. Our audience is in the middle of the annual planning process. When this podcast airs, it'll be late summer, early fall. And executives are trying to align sales channels with customer demand. Getting channel design wrong results in overlapping channels, resulting in high cost of sales and worse, frustrated customers and channel partners. We're going to use SBI's channel optimization methodology to guide our conversation so we don't ramble and we deliver a focused 30 minutes of insight if you want to follow along at home, go to salesbenchmarkindex.com, click on Our Services, and click Channel Optimization. Okay, Brandon, you ready to go? Let's do it. All right. The first step in our channel methodology is understanding which channels the buyers prefer to buy from. The objective of this phase is to work backwards from the buyer channel preference and determine the path the product should take when going from the manufacturer to the end user. So my question for you, Brandon, would be, how do you determine which channels your customers prefer to buy through? It's a pretty uh, elaborate challenge for us at Freescale. We have uh, a business that is segmented pretty clearly between our direct customers, where our sales force is Freescale employed, Freescale badged, uh, sales force supporting those direct customers. And that amounts to just under 100 customers. So there's a um, a scale element to those customers that has warranted that type of support, which is a direct support. And then we have um, a, a base of customers that measures in the tens of thousands of customers that tend to be much smaller. And we've had to build a sales channel that is optimized for that mass. We couldn't hire that many salespeople if we wanted to. So we've had to build a distribution sales channel, a combination of sales reps and distributors that have a, a global footprint that can cover all those customers for us. Mm -hmm. So when you think about that, so you have these hundred or so large customers and you're serving them direct versus the tens of thousands small customers that you're serving through an indirect channel. Did the these hundred large customers, did they demand direct coverage or is that a decision you made on your own? Well, it's a combination. Um, sometimes they demand it and sometimes they are of such a scale that you feel like only you can do it at the level of service that you want to provide for those companies. So scale tends to be a, a pretty important factor. And the other thing is trying to be able to predict 
what the next um, you know new most important customer of that top 100 is going to be for you. And that takes a little bit of art and science for understanding how markets evolve and what technologies are new. A great example is if you think of the cellular market, uh, let's say 10 years ago, and you look at the top five cellular manufacturers in the world, and you compare that top five, which was littered with, uh, you know, RIM and uh, Motorola and Nokia, and you compare that to who the top five cellular manufacturers are today, and the entire world has changed. And you have to have an ability to um, predict at some level uh, those changes in order to get the coverage in place uh, to, to win the designs. For us, our design cycles are very long. Our customer engagement cycle is very long. So from the first meeting with a customer until large revenue, on average, can be two years yeah. for us. And if you bet wrong on customers or segments or, or markets or whatever the case may be, uh, you're going to miss a design window that lasts a very long time. So there's some of it's predictive and uh, evolving of those top 100 customers. Interesting. You know, your answer reminded me of a friend of mine, Joe Vitalone, who is the president of the America's region of Mitel Networks. I recently had him on the SBI TV program and asked him how he studied the buying preferences of his customers, and he had some interesting points to make regarding channel selection. Listeners of this podcast may not be aware of SBI TV and may not be aware of Joe's episode, so let's take a very short break, call it 20 seconds, and make the listeners of this podcast aware of that so that uh, if they're interested in the topic of channel selection, they can hear from Joe as well. We'll be right back. Tired of watching highlights from a meaningless game on SportsCenter? Tired of watching a stock picker on CNBC talk about a company you don't care about? Introducing SBI TV, a monthly web TV show focused on what you do care about, making the number. Broadcast on the internet, the show features people just like you, sales and marketing leaders trying to grow their revenues. Watch your peers as they discuss their behind-the-scenes strategies for making the number. Finally, a TV show for busy executives that won't bore you to death. Go to salesbenchmarkindex.com TV or go to YouTube and search for Sales Benchmark Index to subscribe. Okay, welcome back, everybody. This is Greg Alexander, CEO of SBI. This is the SBI Weekly Podcast. And today I'm joined by Brandon, who is the Senior Vice President and Chief Sales and Marketing Officer at Freescale Semiconductor, excuse me, and right before the break, we were talking about understanding buyer channel preference and working backwards from that to determine what's, how to route your products through individual uh, channels. Let's progress to the next step in channel optimization. And armed with a deep understanding of which channels customers want to buy from, we need to turn our attention to selecting the right mix of channels to go to market with, and the list is long. For example, if you go direct, this could be the web, on the phone, belly to belly, if you go indirect, this could be private label, OEM, distribution, value-added resellers, etc. So this is a big, meaty conversation channel mix. So Brandon, how do you select the right channel mix um, to go to market with, especially in that broad category of customers outside of those top 100 where you might have you know several choices to choose from? Yeah, it's a big problem for us, um, and I mean a problem that we we try and solve every day. The the business that I run is very fragmented, so we have a lot of customers. On top of that, we have large segments that are actually quite different. So a big portion of our business today, upwards of 40% of our business today, is automotive. The automotive market is dominated by a few key 
large OEMs, and then the tier ones and tier twos that support those OEMs. And the names are well known between at the top level, you're looking at Ford and GM and BMW and companies like that. And then you have the tier ones and tier twos, the, the Bosch or Delphi or Conti, these types of companies that support those. And it's a pretty uh, uh, distinctly different market than what we do with our uh, microcontroller portfolio. Our microcontroller portfolio is pure mass market, serving the Internet of Things, very different than automotive. Mm-hmm. And there are some estimates that in the Internet of Things world, by 2018, of all the devices, of all the things that are functioning, more than 50% of them will come from companies that didn't exist in 2014. No kidding. Totally evolving market, completely different than what we see in the automotive segment, which is more mature. And we have to have an ability to touch both. And so there's the direct sales model, which we've talked about. There's a distribution model. But there's also, for that Internet of Things market, um, a real big shift in the semiconductor market to go after the design engineers of tomorrow, who maybe aren't the same ones you've been dealing with for 20 years at Continental or in a company like that. And you have to reach them through the web. And we've really noticed in China some very different patterns in those uh, design decisions and buying patterns that make China a pretty unique problem to to solve for for reaching your customers Mm. digitally. Mm. Yeah, that is... uh very difficult. I, I and I wasn't anticipating that answer. And I'm thinking about the audience listening to that. And if you get this right, man, you'll you'll be cracking the code, so to speak. You know, many of our customers, yes, their markets are evolving, but maybe not that dramatically. I mean, this Internet of Things uh, market, which is a brand new market that's going to be huge, has all these new desi- designers and new locations. And you're reaching them through the web, which is interesting. A follow up to that. If you haven't had to do that for the last 20 years, and now you do, how do you build up that capability? Yeah, you have to have uh, really smart people that you work with that see it in advance. Because if you don't, you're trailing, and you're if you're trailing, you're 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 losing. We, um, I'll give you a good example in uh, China in particular. We we added a bunch of people. We started going out into these secondary markets, and and we reached a lot of different customers. So both direct and through our distribution channel and our marketing teams were talking to a lot of customers and we were understanding how they were making their design decisions. And it was very different than everything that we were used to, whether in the Americas or Europe or other regions. And what they were doing is very similar if you consider Edmunds.com when someone goes to buy a car. Um, they're doing their research themselves. As a consumer, they're going and researching cars. They're not necessarily going to Ford.com to learn about Ford. They're going to these third-party websites to get a quote-unquote unbiased opinion. The design engineers in China are doing the exact same thing, and we didn't realize it, and we found some um, real good momentum with one of our competitors, and we were trying to understand why, and we stumbled upon a particular website in China that tens of thousands of design engineers in our industry were using no in a kidding. similar fashion to what how Edmunds functions today. And there were independent conversations ongoing about certain types of silicon for certain types of designs. And we noticed that one particular vendor was dominant in those conversations. And it was just kind of a 90% one vendor and then 1% for a whole bunch of other vendors. And uh, we went went and saw one of these companies that was building solutions based on this particular vendor and said, well, how, how are you... Uh, why are you building solutions based on this silicon? And they said, well, we went to this website and we saw literally hundreds and hundreds of conversations at the same time on this one particular type of silicon. So we decided to start building boards for it. Well, that's great. Well, what type of support are you getting from that silicon vendor? And the answer is, we've never met with them. So it becomes a self-fulfilling sales channel when you have these third-party 
um, digital forums driving your technology for you. So we've invested very heavily, very aggressively to try and drive that in China as well. It's a fascinating story. It really is. And it illustrates so many themes right now, which is how dramatically the behavior of our buyers is changing every day and how important it is to have your ear to the ground in all parts of the world so that you can spot these things and and compliments to you guys for having the courage to you know ramp up the investment and uh, recognize that maybe not as early as as you would like but you still found it in time to recover yeah it's course correction and uh, you know that's that's something we we do pretty well and we can always improve upon uh, it's an imperfect science and it's something that we want to get better at every day yeah all right this takes us to the third step which is coverage model so in our methodology, just to try to keep this simple for today's call, um, there's really three broad coverage models to choose from. First is what we call intensive, which is described as many channel partners in the same space fighting it out for the business. Second, we call selective, which is described as a limited number of channel partners in each market chosen based on a few criteria. And then third is what we call exclusive, which is what it sounds like, which is one channel partner in a market. Usually, executives pick one of these three after considering three things. Geography, the products they're selling, and the psychographics of the markets that they're competing in. So, Brandon, for the purpose of educating the audience here, which coverage model have you selected? Is it more than one? And then why did you make that choice? I wish it was as simple as pick one uh, (laughs) for us. But given the... uh the, the unique challenges of our business and, and some of the things I described to you earlier in the shape of the businesses, we have a hybrid, and it's a hybrid more of the intensive and selective approach. Um, in the selective approach, we did a channel consolidation with our distribution channels specifically, and we really narrowed the focus on a couple of key partners. And because it's such a crowded marketplace, when you have uh, an, a more intensive approach uh, across markets that way, and there are many different lines that each of those channels are selling, it's hard to get the scale you want from the line. It's hard to get the focus you want from the distributor in question. So we went to a more selective model, and as a result of that, we got more resourcing on our line because Mm -hmm. we became more important to the channel partner themselves in selling our portfolio. However, there are um, some unique elements globally in the distribution channel for semiconductors, and there are certain markets in the world that don't want a global distributor involved. So there'll be a more regional approach. It could be in India, it could be in China, but there's a more regional approach with more specialized language distributors and more specialized technology distributors. And that's more of an intensive coverage model that we would use in those markets. It's a hybrid between the two. Yeah. Okay. And advising our audience members here on how to think through this, which is considering geography, considering the products that you sell, and considering the psychographics of the market segmentation. So you have a hybrid, and it's obviously working for you. You chose that hybrid based on what? Uh, We chose that hybrid based on um, kind of the requirements of our business unit. Our sales team and our global sales and marketing organization, we try and be... Um, I'm going to use this term loosely, but we try and be a window between the business units and uh, the markets that they're trying to to call on. And we saw in certain markets um, some success from distributors or competitors in the sales channel that we were not able to replicate using the model that we had. Uh, And that's when we, you know, kind of understanding the unique requirements of that geography 
made a change and, and maybe went a little more on the intensive model. Mm-hmm. We also saw that we weren't gaining the, the market share that we wanted to gain globally. And if you have enough um, years as a share donor rather than a share taker, you're <laughs> going to start looking at things to change. And uh, one of the metrics that we use to understand change is purely share gain. We weren't gaining enough share, so we wanted to change our model. We changed our model to a more uh, selective model uh, in terms of the distribution channel, and, and, and share gain has resulted. And that's not the only reason why, but uh, we've, we've done a number of things that are based on a pretty clear um, uh, stratification of metrics, and that what's the top of the heap for Freescale has been to grow our revenue and to gain market share. Everything else becomes secondary to those two things. And any strategy that is not in support of those two clearly defined goals is technically the wrong strategy. So that was that. that's where we got the clarity to, to kind of optimize based on market share that we were either gaining or not or the geographic requirements that our customers were kind of uh, screaming to us either directly or indirectly. One thing I learned recently from somebody, a guest that was on this show, his name is Mark Turner, who runs the EMEA business for software provider Genesis, was when when choosing channel partners, the number one uh, component to choose from, or the number one design principle, I should say, or selection criteria, better said, is mindshare. Yep. And and it sounds like that's what you were, you were considering, and you went more selective, and as a result of that, you had more mindshare and ended up picking up market share gains. Is that is that the way to restate yeah, that? Yeah, you can, you, can, um, you can drive mindshare, or you can kind of earn mindshare as well. And if you do both, then, then you're really winning. You drive mindshare through this type of down-select and um, kind of the law of big numbers focus, but you can earn that mindshare by just having products that are better than what other people have at the same time. Uh, we like to do both. Yeah. Uh, given the choice, we're going to do both. And Mark's business, which is the software business, the rule of thumb there is is ten percent. In other words, if you can't, if your product represents more than ten percent of the partner's revenue, then you have mindshare. If it represents less than that, then you do not. Now that's unique to software and his particular type of software. Is there a rule of thumb in your industry? That's an interesting one, software. It doesn't surprise me that it would be 10%. Nearly impossible in the semiconductor industry uh, because there are, there's been a, consol- a more mature consolidation of the distribution network in the semiconductor industry for the decades that's been around, while software and merchant variety is probably a little more nascent and uh, specialized and fragmented. In the semiconductor industry, um, each of the largest global distributors, Aero, Avnet, Future, World Peace, companies like that, each of those large semiconductor distributors have up to 300 different semiconductor lines on their line card. Mm. So 10% wouldn't be the number, and you're looking at companies like Intel and, and Altera and Freescale and TI and all the big names you can think of in semiconductors. A big number there is, um, let's say, you know, you're 3 to 5 to 6% tends to be a pretty big number of in the channel, and anything beyond that is is rare and, and, and really large. Interesting. And, uh, I'd say that would be the type of scale that you're typically looking at. Mid-single digits, you're big in the semiconductor industry in terms of share in the channel. Got it. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're enjoying Brandon Tulaney's commentary on channel selection and you want to check out Mark's podcast, um, let's, let's run a quick spot here to, and let the listeners understand how they can go from listening to subscribing to the podcast so that we can push these things to you. So we'll be right back after the break. Many sales and marketing podcasts are all talk. Boring, tired advice that sucks valuable time from your day. Had enough? We thought so. The SBI podcast offers executable insider strategies from proven professionals. 
not useless chatter. Go to iTunes and search for Sales Benchmark Index Podcast and subscribe. Okay, Brandon, let's progress to the next step in channel optimization. At this point, just a quick recap, we know which channels our buyers want to use. We have selected the channel type and decided on a coverage model. Now it's time to select the actual channel partners, and this involves evaluating channel partners on things such as which channels are your competitors using, you know, the reputation of each partner, how long they have been in business, financial strength, their management team. We talked earlier about Mindshare. You know, and think about this too from a multi-tier perspective. Um, so how do you evaluate your channel partners? Yeah, it's, again, a mature market, the semiconductor channel market. Uh, so there's been a pretty vast consolidation. A lot of individual companies purchased and gobbled up by some of the bigger global guys. Uh, however, once you, you know, get past the, you know, there's sometimes some real strength in the global guys, and sometimes maybe there's some blind spots that you have to use uh, more specialized technology distributors or more specialized regional distributors. Somebody could have an expertise in RF, for instance, and that's a very specific um, requirement and, and skill set that most the distributors do not have great depth in. So again, it, it becomes a kind of a, a selection on uh, what the requirements for the particular portfolio and what requirements for the particular region would be as you as you optimize and select those particular channels. Hmm. And in these new emerging spaces, like that Edmonds example that you yep. gave me earlier, um, I would imagine that that's more fragmented. The consolidation hasn't happened yet, so maybe you have some more wiggle room in channel selection. Is that yeah, true? Yeah, so that's geography. And uh, sometimes in those types of... Uh, let's say, uh, digital domains where people are making design decisions. You know, in, in the old days, it's, you know, the, the customer needs to have you walk in, show them the catalog of products, and, you know, you kind of pick through it, and then you give them the sell job there. Now the customer is making their design decision really before they talk to you. And uh, it might be narrowed down. It might be you and a competitor, but they know the technology. They know the process node they're looking for. They know what type of software they want to run. You know, you're, you're down to the – when your salesperson is really engaging, you're down to the end game, and you lose that influence on the front end. So for a market, the one I described was in China for the Internet of Things. As that grows, you look at, okay, so there's literally thousands of potential customers here. We have to go with as broad a net as we can possibly cast – to get as many irons in the fire as possible for the next Nest or the next uh, mm. pick a, a you know a Tesla pick a, a great emerging um, design opportunity for the next one of those. If you're not covering the mass market, then you're not covering those accounts because it is so fragmented. Well, the only way to cover that fragmented market, I guess, there's a couple ways. One, you can blanket the field with a bunch of direct resources. That's a prohibitively expensive cost model that your CFO will not allow. Or you can really optimize a sales channel to go after the requirements of the market that you're attacking. And that's, I think, really what we're talking about today. Yeah. You know, historically speaking, and I'm going to speak in general terms here, the relative importance of marketing versus sales in the semiconductor industry was low. Absolutely. But with these new uh, purchasing behaviors that you're describing here today, where people are educating themselves and making decisions on their own before they even meet sales, is that flipping? Oh, it's flipped. Um, The importance of marketing, it's, um, there's two elements of it. One is, and I'd say even 15 years ago, 
the the relevance of marketing was to make sure that your documents were translated effectively and make sure that your technical documents were comprehensive so the, the customer didn't have to call you every time there was a question. Our, our manuals for a piece of silicon can be 400 pages long. Wow. Uh, and we're not unique in that. Yes, we have complex silicon, but we're not the only one that has that. And that was really what marketing meant back 15 years ago. And now, because of the sheer volume of data at the fingertips of our customers, the sheer volume of information that's available on your website or someone else's, you have to reach them through that data differently than you did just making sure it was translated properly into Mandarin. Mm-hmm. All right, you're listening to Brandon Tulaney. Chief Sales and Marketing Officer at Freescale Semiconductor, and we're talking about channel optimization, particularly as you enter the new year in your annual planning cycle. We're moving through SBI's channel optimization framework to guide our conversation, and it takes us up to the next set of activities, which I'm going to group together some of these things and call this maybe steps uh, kind of four through ten. And all these deal with recruiting new channel partners, onboarding them, making the existing channel partners more productive and the internal channel management organizational chart needed to support these channel partners. So Brandon, let me ask you kind of a multi-part question here. How do you recruit new channel partners? How do you onboard them and make them productive over time? And then how is your internal channel management team organized? Is it by geo, by product, by vertical industry? How do you go to market with them? Okay, so uh, how do you recruit them? We don't do a lot of recruiting of new channel partners. When I think of channel partners for us, it's third-party entities that are selling our our portfolio. Uh, Again, consolidation has happened. They're fairly mature. We make changes from time to time, but largely they're in place intact. The the key thing is more than recruiting. The onboarding is, if I change the wording, uh, and look at how uh, how how I take new people that come to the channel, uh, teams that are already in place, and how do we make them evangelists for our technology? And then I look at productivity. How do we measure and incentivize the channel? And um, We did a complete reboot of our channel, uh, same players largely in place, but a complete reboot of uh, the contracts that governed our channel. And the first thing we did, and I think it was the most important step we have taken in our organization for a couple of years, was to really understand how our channel is motivated. So we understood what we wanted, which was growth, and we wanted unfair market share gain. We wanted to expand our gross (laughs) margins. We didn't really care about what was important to the channel. So we didn't actually optimize our uh, goals and uh, deliverables and metrics around what was important to them. And once we figured out what the key metrics for the channel partners were and built plans that enabled them to be successful, and and reward them for being successful in the way they wanted to be successful, we found a far more engaged channel. We found way more mindshare in the channel and a way more mutually beneficial partnership. And many times in the past, we probably were looking for the benefits to be a little more on one side of the ledger than the other, rather than recognizing that if we're both successful, that you know the, the results are going to be better for both parties. And how about the, your internal organization that matches? Our internal organization that supports that. We have global... Um, owners of the largest channel partners that are centralized. Now, they don't need to be geographically necessarily centralized, but for the largest channel partners, there is one person responsible for that channel partner. Uh, 
The individual salespeople that either work hand-in-hand with that channel partner are direct salespeople or are more at arm's length. They're all regionally focused, but we have channel relationship managers, channel sales directors that are uh, centralized. And then in the region, we'll have regional resources that are responsible uh, at a sub-level to Europe or or, uh, the Americas or Asia-Pacific or Japan. Okay. And as it relates to the marketing component here, channel marketing, is that centralized or is that out in the geos? Channel marketing is largely centralized, not exclusively, but it's largely centralized. There are marketing resources for the channel in the field, but if I were to look at a a percentage, I'd say it's 90% in the business units wherever they reside within Freescale corporate structure rather than in the field. Okay, got it. So one of my colleagues, Drew Zargis, uh, he writes often for our blog on the subject of channel optimization. And one of his articles titled Three Ways to Recruit Your Dream Channel Partners is in our blog Hall of Fame for it's been read over 50,000 times at this point. Uh, this audience might want to read Drew's work. So let's take a quick break and let everyone know how to sign up for a subscription to the SBI blog. But stick around for when we come back. Brandon is going to tell you what to do with all of this information tomorrow morning. So come right back. Want tomorrow's best practices today? Subscribe to the SBI blog. These aren't best practices. These are emerging best practices. Maybe this is why SBI blog readers are the most respected sales and marketing leaders in the world. For your free subscription, go to salesbenchmarkindex.com. Okay, welcome back, everybody. This is Greg Alexander and Brandon Tulaney, CEO of SBI and Chief Sales and Marketing Officer of Freescale Semiconductor. We're talking about channel optimization and building your channel strategy for the new fiscal year. And this is our last segment with Brandon, and I'm going to put him on the spot here. And Brandon, I would tell you after listening to you today, um, I'm glad we picked this topic because you clearly are an expert at this. And so I'm going to ask you to speak directly to the audience and give them maybe, I don't know, your top three things to do immediately to optimize your channels for the new year and and do so in such a way and assume that most people don't have the level of expertise on this that you do. Sure. The first thing, if you're competing with Freescale, quit now. Um, (laughs) The second thing would be to really understand what your goals are on the channel. I know this sounds like simple advice, but the biggest thing that, that really shifted the fortunes of Freescale over the last several years was clarity from our CEO on what the most important goals were. Mm. There was a whole lot of people driving to a whole lot of different goals, and you know, we, we vastly simplified those goals, and it was really all about share gain and how we measure share gain. And everything else cascaded off of that. So we knew what was important for us to drive the channel. If you don't know what's important and you just stick with something simple like, oh, we're going to grow our revenue, um, it's not good enough. you got to come up with a level of clarity in your goals and what you really want in the channel. Then you need to understand your channel and what motivates them. If you don't understand what motivates the channel, you're going to think of them as a – um, you know, a truly a third party rather than an extension of your engineering and sales force. And if you look at them as a third party, they're going to view you as a third party as well. And that's not what a channel is intended to really be. And then after you get the structure in place, the goals in place, you measure the hell out of it. You just come up with what are the important things that we need to measure and uh, be pretty relentless about those measurements. And you built something that the channel partner should be incentivized on their own goals uh, to, to want to work with you. That should, should garner you mind share. If you've got mind share with that channel, then the metrics should come. And if the metrics aren't coming, that's when you course correct. And maybe you've got the wrong channel partner. Yeah. 
Great advice, really. I wrote all three of those down. All right, well, we're out of time. I want to thank Brandon on behalf of our podcast subscribers for sharing uh, his knowledge with us. I think all of our chances of making the number went up as a result. So, uh, Brandon, thanks a bunch for coming on the show today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Okay, take care. This has been the SBI Podcast. For more information on SBI services, case studies, the SBI team and how we work, or to subscribe to our other offerings, please visit us at salesbenchmarkindex.com.